Can you hear me now? All right. I was going to have to get y'all all to come up here, which I don't mind. But you, everybody's got their seats they like to seat in. You might be gone for six months, but when I come back, I know I've still got that seat right there, it seems like. I don't know why, but Brother Scott said he was keeping my seat. But I'd like you to know one thing. No matter what you're going through and no matter what situation you find yourself in, Jesus is the rock. You can go through every storm, whether it be floods, sandstones, whatever it might be, it don't matter as long as you hold on to the rock. But more than holding on to the rock, I'd like to tell you today that Jesus has got you anchored in the rock. You don't have to worry about holding on because in our strength, we're going to let go sooner or later. But Jesus, if he'll go and get the, uh, leave the 99 to go to get the one, surely he's going to anchor me to the rock and no flood's going to wash me off of it. I'm telling you. In Deuteronomy 32 and 31, it says, for their rock is not as our rock. Now, just sounding off like that don't sound like that's too much, but it says, for their rock is not as our rock. Those who are in the church and those who are being obedient to Jesus, the rock that the heathen has is not our rock. We can't de depend on uh, living our lives for the government. We can't depend on them guiding and directing us in righteousness because it, it says, for their rock is not our rock. My rock is Jesus Christ. I'm not putting my trust in whether it be Trump or Biden or any, any of them. I don't care which one it is. I got, I got a kingdom that I live in. It's called the kingdom of God. And I'm going to be faithful to it. All these other things, they're going to pass away. They're going to give up. They're going to go away. They're going to dissolve themselves. And they're never going to be happy because they're constantly changing, bickering, arguing with themselves. While we, while even from our enemies themselves, be judges. This is something that's really touched my heart in the last six months about even our enemies themselves being judges. In other words, the people that's in position right now, they're not Christians. They're not, not, they're not, maybe some of them don't even claim to be. Some of them claim to be, they're really not. Because I can tell you why they're really not. It's because of their mouth, what comes out of their mouth. Their, their mouth judges them. I don't put a judgment on them, but their mouth and what they say judges them. Now, I'm glad that the little children, I'm so happy for them to be in here and praise and worship, but I want to tell you about some things that, that maybe it's just be, needs to be an adult off in here. It used to be that you couldn't even give your kid an aspirin in school. You would have to get special permission to do so for that to happen. If, you're, if some kid come in and said they had a headache and you give them some aspirin and they went home and something happened, school system, it's not going to happen. But they, they backed ourselves in through lawyers, all of these other kind of people that just wanted to grab at them and take a little bite of this, a little bite of that. And they put themselves in a position where now they, you couldn't, they couldn't have that aspirin. But this is something what hit me was they couldn't do that, but yet they can tell these little kids they can choose a pronoun of who they are. If I'm, if I'm remembering this right, am I, is, 
They, they can say, okay, I identify as a, a boy, say I identify as a, a girl, and a girl says I identify as a boy. Now, I know that God didn't make mistakes. And if you was born a boy, then that's what you are. If you was born a girl, then that's what you are. But in their eyes, they're doing things right. They're saying, okay, you don't have to tell your mom and daddy. Just tell us and we'll go get you those blockers and we'll go get you the, that medicine that you can start on to turn your, your, uh, who you are into something else. Those are the things we're running in. And this is not, I mean, this is in our country. Now, I don't, I don't know what our situation is in this area at all about it. But I do know this. If it's, if it's that way, then it's still wrong. For their rock is not my rock, but my rock is Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Samuel 22 and 47, it says, And the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. How many of you know that Jesus is the rock of your salvation? I mean, there's nothing can, he says, fall upon the rock and don't let the rock fall upon you. And he will have mercy upon us. And Job 39, 28 says, she dwelleth and abideth in on the rock, upon the crag of the rock and the strong place. So I know that my rock is a strong place. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, it says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I want to... Just think about this a minute. Here is a rock when they got over there and they needed water. And Moses struck it. And they got water out of a rock. Not a pool of water in the ground, but out of a rock, they got water. Now, if I'm wrong, it's estimated there was close to 3 million people total that went across their kids, adults, goats, and sheep. What size of rock would it take to water all those animals and yourself? I mean, it's got to be huge. Or it could just not be huge and it just kept coming out because God, nothing's impossible with God. It could have been the size of this right here. And still enough water, if he'd have struck it and told him to strike it, that would have been enough water to come out of this rock, this thing right here being a rock now while, we, while we're doing this. This is a rock. There would have been enough of water to come out of it that it would have satisfied everything. Because why? Because he's my rock. I don't have to worry no more. I don't have to be concerned anymore about my finances. I don't have to be concerned about uh, my health or any other thing because he is my rock. My salvation. He is my salvation. He prepared for it. Even in that day of, of, of the Old Testament, there was, he was saying, here's the rock. This church is built on this rock. Here I stand. This is my church. That's what Christ delivered. That's what he said. He said, and the rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. On Deuteronomy 32 and 37, it says, and he shall say, where are their gods and their rock is whom they trusted, their rock in whom they trusted. There's coming a time, I just want to let y'all know that we don't, we don't have to worry while I'm concerned about what's going on in our schools, while I'm concerned about what's going on with our children. 
if we've got to keep them covered in prayer, it's very important that we keep our children covered in prayer because let me tell you something, school and school activities take up more time of your children than they do at your house. Because you're constantly running them to a soccer, football, baseball, this and that, wherever it might be that you need to go to or do things with. And you yourself, personally, it's not doing just something with your children other than getting them to one place to the other. And sometimes they overlap and you've got to take one kid over here and drop him off to go to another place over here for the other kid. And that's when you, in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, you can gripe at me after I'm through. Sometimes we get our kids involved in too many things. They need to make a choice on something. And that's, that's just my opinion. I'll probably get slammed for that, but still my opinion. And it ain't going to change, so. Yeah, they stoned him, huh? And Luke 6 and 48 says, And he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation. I know this for a fact. If you really want peace in your mind, heart, it says, He whose mind or eyes are stayed upon him shall have perfect peace. That's like that man that dig deep in the dirt till he got to the rock. He, and he laid a foundation and that foundation is a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and how he put it down to where you would be anchored to that rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat, uh, storm, uh, storm beat uh, vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. And again, I want to be anchored to that rock. Because that's who who I want to be close to. I want I want to know that. Because I don't know if y'all. Sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I get nervous, especially about finances. Because if you're the man of the house, you're supposed to be able to provide for your family. So there's a there's a. I wouldn't say a burden there, but there's a expectation there that you want to do for your family, and that's what it says. A man that won't work is worse than an infidel. So we want to make sure that we're doing the right things. In Isaiah 58, if you want to turn there, you can because I'm going to go through probably the whole chapter. It's going to be a little teaching here, maybe not so much preaching, but we'll, we'll find out what, what goes on. And I want to read the, the first three uh, verses to start off with. And this is about right and wrong fasting. How many of y'all... Fast. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight minus six. That's twenty-two people. Don't fast. Huh? I'm I'm guilty. There were some people in here that y'all some righteous people. Those those are those that are fast and y'all righteous, and I applaud y'all about it. And I try my best, but when I look at that double meat cheeseburger, <laughs> it's kind of hard to go. I ate one on secret today. I come up here to study, and I didn't tell cricket I'd already ate when I ate something else at the house. So, <laughs> but 
you know, we're going to have to make a choice, really. And fasting is not just giving up something. Fasting includes food. It might be a lot easier to fast something else, but let me tell you something. When that, like I said, that cheeseburger and that heated grill and that grease off of that burger goes and sizzles. And you can sit there, oh, they about got it done, you know. It's a little bit harder to resist. Now, I could probably give up something for a day or two, uh, TV, uh, uh, whatever else, you know, radio, things that just, I could probably give them up for a little while. But fasting, if it's going to be done right, then it needs to be done according to God's will. Not according to your will, not to lose weight, not to say, look, I've slimmed down some. But it's to honor God. God will call the fast, and you'll know it. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't go them 40 days without having help from the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things. And I would advise nobody to go on no 40-day fast unless they have really got the word of God saying that they can go on a 40-day fast. I might make it two days, but I have I have fasted a couple times, two days, and maybe a few hours. But I kept looking at that, and if I see there, there we go right now. I kept I kept looking at it when I shouldn't have been looking at it at all, cause it I'm tempting my own self. So when I get to that point where I'm tempting my own self, that's kind of like stupid. It would be better for me to walk away from it and go outside and do something, man, and wait a little while. But what it, what it taught me was just even two days fast, going into that third day, I was getting hungry. Not just because I just wanted it, but I was literally I was getting hungry. And it, and it hit me right then that this is what God wants us to do. Are we willing enough to go hungry for Him? Are we good? Are we are we in His will enough to know that we're not going to die if we don't eat in three days? And if you're sick or something, that's a different category. But what I'm talking about those of us who are relatively healthful, healthy, and God tells us to go on a three day fast or whatever else, we need to go on that three day fast. He'll take care of you. In 58, in the first chapter, first verse, it says, cry out aloud. Now, what was, God was telling Isaiah, he said, these people are doing some things wrong and I want you to straighten them out. And I'm not up here tonight to straighten anybody out. I'm just here to report the news of what Isaiah did to, to those people. So I'm the town crier tonight. I'm just a, I'm an observer. <laughs> yeah. But it says, cry aloud and spare not. I mean, tell everybody. Don't let nobody get out of the way. If you, if you see them, you tell them what I got for them. I need to speak to them. And lift up and show my, and th up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions. See, God hadn't abandoned them yet. They were his people. Show my people. You can live a while probably in disobedience to the Lord, but there's going to be a time and a day that it's going to catch up with you and it's not going to be so he won't be calling you my people. He told Moses in one field to, to kill him. 
Moses said, these are your people. And then the next time it was, God said, Moses wanted them killed. In the house of Jacob, their sins because he wanted them to repent. And that's all God's asking us today is to repent. And you might think, well, I haven't done anything, and you probably haven't. But it don't, it don't hurt to get before the Lord at night before you go to bed and pray, Lord, if I've done anything today that offended you, bring it to my remembrance that I can ask for forgiveness. Because you don't know what word you said it might have hurt somebody and it turned them. And you may not have done it intentionally, it just happened. So we really got to be careful and try to say at night time our, our prayers, not just a, just a prayer, but really that conversation with the Lord that you're fixing to go to sleep and I'll turn my rest. Is, I know that you're going to be watching over me. You give ministering angels to watch over me and I know that this is what's going to happen. So it's going to get me a good night's sleep. I won't have to worry about it. He says, yet they seek me daily. He's talking about the children of Israel. And he says, they seek me daily in delight to know my ways. And this is what this is what kind of bugged me a little bit. And I said, well, how bad are they if they delighted in knowing who the Lord is? You know, it says, they seek me daily in delight to know my ways as a nation. They did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They asked of me the ordinance of justice and they take delight in approaching to God. Now, I understood this a little bit better. Let me read this one thing first. See, I cry, it says, The prophet cries out against the people's sins in a mighty trumpet blast sounding shofar, a warning to all who would listen. And the true prophet must be faithful to expose and challenge rebellion and hypocrisy when it is found among God's people. If you see something going wrong and people are not doing what God's, according to his standards or anything, and you don't say nothing about it, you're going to be held accountable for it. You're supposed to be that watchman on the wall. If you see a kid fix and stick a fork in an electrical outlet, you go over there and do something about it, don't you? Or you should. Or you just wait to say, this will teach him. Yeah. When it's teaching, I had a red, what do you call them, uh, setters, Irish setters. It bit in some electrical lines and it wasn't right from then on. I'm going to tell you, that was the dumbest dog you ever seen. It run into a wall and then fall over like that. I had to get rid of him. It says, It is found among God's people and ministers, the messengers of God who fail to point out their sins to God's people and warn them of his judgments are not being faithful to God's purposes for their ministry. In this part of where they seek me daily, he says, The, the people of Isaiah, of Judah, appeared to worship God and they went through the motions and acted as they desired to know and follow his purposes, but God saw their rebellious hearts. Rebellious hearts. He saw their intent. It was to put on a show. It was to put on a, a false deal that we're... we're uh, we're doing and we're worshiping God and we're doing all these other things, but let me tell you something, there wasn't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites because they were telling people how to live in one way, but they wouldn't even live in that way because God saw their rebellious hearts. They were not interested in truly following after God and they did not obey his commands. You can't follow God without unless you obey his commands. What did he say? He says he, uh, obedience was better than sacrifice. 
If we can't be obedient to him, it don't matter what else you do. You can sacrifice all you want. You can fast and you, you can try the 40-day one if you want to. But it wouldn't do you no good because you're not, you're not, you're not being obedient the way God called you to be. Because your walk doesn't match up with what you talk. And that's the truth of the matter. That we talk a Christian game, but yet we don't we don't do what it says. And if you want, I'll, I'll prove it to you right now. From right now tonight or in the morning when you go to work, if you go into Beaumont from this destination out here, let me see how many of y'all don't say something about another driver ahead of you. Y'all come back Sunday and tell me how that went. Because while I thought I was serving God, God laid it on my heart one day. He said, slow down. It don't take that much longer to get there. I, I, I promise you, I could leave Beaumont around Parkdale Mall in that area, and it, I could, I'd catch people in Lumberton, and we'd go on out, and they'd get ahead of me, and I'd catch them in Silsby. And then right there around Pine Plaza, I'd catch them again. And I ain't got but about another eight miles to go, so I was right on in. And I learned one thing. If I just get in that other lane, that slow lane, and go ahead and go on, I'll be all right. I won't get near upset when I get to the house. I ain't mad at Cricket. <laughs> and she ain't mad at me for being mad at her. So we got a happy, happy home on the hill over there at Drakeville. Because if I'm obedient to the Lord, I shouldn't be getting angry at other people. I should be praying, and I'm not talking about praying out of sarcastic prayer neither. I'm talking about really pray for somebody. Lord, they, they need your help. Need my, I need your help. Help me be more patient. Help me not get so upset because somebody cut in front of me or whatever it might have been. I'm going to get to the house. Everything's going to be okay. But we get in such a hurry and we do things without really consulting God and I know it's, well, we got to consult God every time we leave the plant. Uh, if you're leaving the plants that I've left, yeah, you need to really pray to God because they've not got home on their mind. My uncles used to have two horses. They had more than two horses, but these horses right here, they knew time. They, could, they, could, they didn't need a watch. I promise you, they didn't need no kind of time device. When it got time for feeding, they knew where to go to. And they went. And that's just about the way some of them guys down there, even on the plants, or they know where they live and they, they're going on. And you better get out of the way. So that's what I do. I get out of the way. It says, however, it says, his commands are even today. Some believers may worship the Lord outwardly and appear to have a true desire to follow God. But however, their lifestyles and particularly how they behave outside the church setting. That's another thing, bumper stickers. I know we know the old joke about lady. Uh, somebody stole your car because <laughs> Christian wouldn't be acting like that. I got caught. Me and Cricket was. I'm just. I love you, baby. <laughs> but me and Cricket got caught one day because well she did and I did. Brother Wayne and Sister Betty says you and uh, Cricket had a pretty good discussion, didn't you? Yeah, I was over there yeah, 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 like this. I don't even know what we was arguing about. I ain't got a clue. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but anyway, 
there's my pastor. I'm doing this, and he's over there in another seat, and they're laughing. But they did tell me so they, I could correct my deal. I find out, look around next time. <laughs> see, who's, see who's around me somewhere. Yeah. See, they did not study and apply God's word to their life, and their worship is an insult and a grace, disgrace to God because they're not worshiping him in a true manner. God is always and has and always has been a God of order. You don't you don't skip you don't skip places going in there. You don't go to the altar and then pass the brazen altar to get into the holy holy place for the place of worship of the, of uh, service. You don't go from outside just from the brazen altar unto the holies of holies for sure. You've got to progress up into that area where it's at, and, it, and it's that's why when we come to this church. And the reason the Holy Spirit moves so freely is we put a setting for the Holy Spirit to come in. That's what the praise and worship is about, to usher in. That's what, that's what to, to defeat the enemy, that's what, what happens. When, you, when, you're, when you're ushering in that Spirit of God and it's coming in and it's, it affects you and, and it, you start feeling the love of God surround you and you feel those goosebumps on you and you feel that that peace about those things that you had worry about before. That's when the praise and worship works its way in, and that's why it's so important, so important for us when we come here to get and leave the things that was outside this church, leave them outside. Just leave them. They're not worth it. None of it's worth it. Fifty-eight and three. It says, "In the day of your fast, God's people were complaining that He was not helping them." Oh, really? Where does it say in the Bible that God had to help you? I don't think He had to. He does, but He don't have to. He said, "God knew that their worship and fasting, going without food for a period of time, in order to devote oneself." more fully to their purposes. And I said food here, and I want to let you know right now that that's not part of the scripture. This is part of the commentary. So I don't want somebody to say that, yep, yeah, he said food. I say, I'm not stick with the deal about the food because I know how it affected me. You might be able to overcome it. I couldn't. But I got to keep trying. I can't just say, okay, that's it. Going without food for a period of time in order to devote oneself more fully to purposeful, mainly spiritual were actions that did not come from pure hearts and God reminds the people of, that no religious act has any value to him if it does not come from someone who humbly tries to obey God and who compassionately reaches out to those in need. Hmm. To those in need. Let me read verse 3 in, in the regular Bible. And therefore we have fasted, and they said, thou, And thou seest not. Wherefore we have afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge. And behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and despite with the fist of wickedness, and you shall fast as you do this to make your voice to be heard on high. In verse 5 it says, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head in a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him 
And will thou call this a fast and acceptable day of the Lord? What, what, what was the fast? What was... Is it such a fast that I have chosen in a day for a man to afflict his soul? And to spread sackcloth and ashes under him, and that will call it a, this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord. In verse 6 it says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the, the bands of wickedness. Not to put on this the bulrush, or to spread the sackcloth, or the ashes under him. That's not what God was talking about. He said, this is what God is saying right here. He says, it's not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness. How do we, how do we, how do we loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Amen. There you go, sisters. Pray. It's not just the fast that I have chosen. It says, God looks past the outward appearance of their action and sees the motive of their hearts. That's why David, I, I love David because it gives me hope. David messed up on a regular basis. And, and, and I mess up on a regular basis. David was a man after God's own heart. And I pray that I'm a man after God's own heart. And you can be a woman of God's own heart. You can be even the apple of the eye. I don't care. Just as long as I got his heart too. It says to seize the motive of their hearts and the commitment that pleases God involves active compassion for those who are oppressed or in need. That means if you got something and your neighbor needs something and you got it and where you're able to give it away without taking it out of the mouth of your kids. But if you got two coats, give the, somebody the other coat. And this goes back to trying to stockpile stuff back to be safe. I thought about that. I know people plan. People have got 401k uh deals and, and all these other things and they put back for retirement and they do this and they do that. But when we stockpile things and know we got neighbors that's hurting and we don't do nothing about it, then as far as I'm concerned, that's ill-gotten gains. God gave you those things for a reason. That you would be neighborly to your neighbor. That you would that you would put your your arms around somebody that's hurting and in mourning. The commitment that pleases God involves active commission, compassion and for those who are oppressed or in need and helping others in practical ways is one of the best ways to show love for the Lord. He says, when did you feed me? When did you clothe me? God's people must understand that giving tithes at 10% of income offerings to the church does not free them from their responsibility to give those in need. So that said, well, I give up, I give my tithes to the church and they give it out to others. Well, if you got to see somebody that's, I keep being reminded of the guy that had the two coats and the other one didn't have one, he said he'd pray for him. That don't, 
That don't, let me tell you something. That don't keep you warm. No. We should share our food with the hungry and provide clothing for those who have none and work to ensure justice for those who are mistreated. And we must make a sincere effort to discover the needs that exist in our communities and especially within our local church congregations and to commit ourselves to helping in whatever way we can. And if we do this as a natural result of our relationship with God, then his favor will be upon us. That God would, the blessings described in verse 8 are to given to those who have the heart described in verse 6 and are committed to the actions described in verse 7. Is it not deal that thy bread, thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out into thy house and when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. I don't know, maybe you got some people or some people are going to come over or whatever and you really didn't want to see them. You don't open up the door or something. I don't know. But you hide yourself from your own flesh, your own kin folks, your own people because you don't have to deal with them. Maybe it's someone in your family that's constantly always in trouble. Maybe it's someone that's always causing you grief. But God didn't say give just to the good people. He said give those to those in need. He didn't make a distinction for us good or bad because let me tell you something if he made a distinction he wanted us to make a distinction and he had to make a distinction it might not go so well for us. Okay. And then shall in verse 8 it says and shall thy light break forth as the morning and thy hell shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord will answer. When you start doing all these things that God's asked you to do, to be faithful, to be giving to your people, to do, give to the stranger even, or, or those who are without. All of these things, and you get that closer relationship with the Lord. Then shall my light break forth. And my heart shall spring forth speedily, and the righteous shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord will answer. Thou shalt cry, and he will say, Here I am. And if thou take away the mist of the yoke, and put it forth of the finger, and speak in vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and the darkness shall be as noonday. Where there was darkness and gloom around you, God says it's going to be bright. Get your sunshades on. Because we're going to walk in as the noonday sun comes up. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy the soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they shall... Be of thee shall build up the old waste places, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of paths to dwell in. What has gone wrong in your family in years past is going to be corrected. 
what's gone wrong that 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 was wasn't according to what God wanted to do. Once those things get restored and repaired, God's got gifts for you. In many generations, and they shall be called the repair of the breach. That's us. There's things that are going on in your families right now that maybe we don't know about as individuals, and maybe you hadn't said so, and that's fine, but if you can find somebody that you can really talk to or, or, or just confide in that, that person, you don't have to be the whole church to know something, but sometimes just somebody that you might respect. There's, there's people out there in the Brother John that will talk to you and will help you and mentor you. And those are the things that we, we need to do as, as elder Christians, those who are in here who are older, that we need to mentor those who are coming in. Those children, also even grown adults. It's, I, see, I see that the church is going to grow. You know, it's going to grow. And there's going to be people that's come in that's my age that might not have ever gone to church. And they're going to need somebody to talk to. And you can always say, buddy, if you need anybody to talk to, let me know. And let it go with that. And if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath and from doing thy pleasure in the holy days and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, and not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Now, finally, you can delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Whew. Man, I want me one of them big white uh, motorcycles. We're going to do all that here. And feed thee with the heritage of Jacob and father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's as good as it is written. He has spoken it. His words, he said, I don't speak my words, I speak my father's words. Even Jesus didn't speak his words. He spoke the Father's words. And that's what we need to be speaking tonight or tomorrow or where we at. We need to speak the word of the Lord. I don't know what time it is and I don't care because I'm, I'm out of ammo. But, uh, that's it. Let me dismiss. Lord, we just thank you for this night, Lord. And I especially thank you, Lord, for being with me. And, Lord, I ask you to touch each and every one here tonight. And also, Lord, for Gary, Jerry, Lord, let it be taken care of right now and it be a false alarm. And, Lord, give comfort to Tammy and those around her right now, Lord. Lift them up and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen.